Greetings program. Hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie by minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 44. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and returning with me today is my spirited, gifted, and bright guest co-host, Alan Sanders. Welcome, Alan. Well, you got it mostly right. You got Alan Sanders, all that other stuff. I'm not sure if that applies, <laughs> but thank you so much for inviting me back. And we are actually on the light cycle game grid, and I am giddy like I'm 14 years old all over again, actually 12 years old all over again, sitting in the theater watching this movie. We get the uh, we're in the thick of it right now. That's all that happens in this minute. It's just pure light cycle fights, start to finish. We get the rest of the line, blue bikes, run these guys into your jet walls. So now we know that the light trails that the light cycles leave are called jet walls, which always felt a little odd to me. But I guess any name is as good as any. And then the other two drivers say, copy blue leader, and we're off. Now, this whole sequence was done by Magi, one of the computer houses that did the CG for Tron. Magi did a lot of the shots that required complicated moving cameras and any of the, that had actual animation in it, like the shots, like this. This whole sequence was done by them. And the bikes themselves were put together from like simple shapes, like cones and cylinders and cubes and spheres. And you can see that the lion's share of the curves are up front on the bike, while the back end is more, it almost narrows down to a 2D shape to take some of the workload off of the processing power. In some of the shots, you can see a little bit of artifacting on, uh, I guess, what the, they're sort of like the rear view mirror bulge of the light cycles. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 you can see some of the polygons and triangles stand out with a little buzzing on their textures in some of the shots, because I think that's just the computer trying its best to do what it can to make like a falsify a curved surface. At the time, that was a really, really hard thing to do. When Sid Mead started drawing these curves for the bikes i think the modelers were like oh curves huh okay (laughs) oh that's easy to do in a computer yeah they love that (laughs) we'll uh we'll just figure that out then you know and so we get a shot of the the lip of the grid as the recognizer goes past patrolling the perimeter and that's one thing one thing that i'm glad they added in legacy is the crowd of programs watching the games you know like in this cold 1982 world the programs are fighting to the death but the idea i guess is that the only viewers are the people in the real world playing the games Mm -hmm. so it's a it's a it's a closed arena but at the same time so much of the inspiration for tron is like spartacus and gladiatorial combat and half of gladiatorial combat is the crowd watching and cheering right right so I can see there being the need to show spectators, but I don't think they had the technology at the time to throw in a few thousand people in the stands watching the game, so they couldn't make that many costumes or or just you know whip up a whole bunch of extras to to do that. That would have been, in some respects, a whole different movie. So I can see. But you know what's crazy but... is at the time, and even now that you're bringing it up, it never bothered me that there's not spectators watching. You just sort of assume. Yeah, it, I mean, yeah. The last thing we heard is train him for the games, let him hope for a while, and then let him die. So I always yeah. kind of thought maybe there wasn't supposed to be in front of everybody. It was sort of a, all right, here's the next training level. Let's see if let's see what you do. Sure. Yeah, it didn't occur to me right now until going through these minutes. I was like, huh, wait a second. All these gladiatorial combat things, and there's no, there's no crowd. And it made sense in the ring game because they're fighting in a void. Right, they're sort of fighting above a bottomless pit, so mm-hmm. they can't really have a, a set of bleachers in there or something. But I just noticed it with this light cycle 
uh, game here. I was like, oh, wait a second. I would have liked to see a, a crowd here cheering at the different, you know, when one of them runs into a jet wall and have a crowd go, yeah, huzzah, you know, like that would have been, that would have been pretty cool. But I don't even, they probably didn't even consider it. I don't even know if they did. And uh, then we hear Tron say, this is gold one to gold two and gold three. Split up, take them one on one. Uh, Ram hooks left and Flynn hooks right and Tron goes straight playing chicken with the blue leader. Now this is a wide shot of the arena and on the wall we can see a stylized zero, a style, uh, one, looks like a one, and then mm -hmm. what looks like the sign for pi and a seven, and then a stylized two. Correct. And I wonder I if there's... Is there a math joke here that I'm not getting? I don't know. I think there is because the circumference of a circle is uh, 2 pi r. And 22 divided by 7 is a good way to get the approximation of pi, which is like 3.142, etc. or whatever. And uh, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it is. If there is a joke, I'm not sure if I can. Uh, well, if I have the brain we, to get it. We get the reverse side, and I don't know if you were going to get to that, but because we're going to see now the point of view of uh, of Tron as they're going to play chicken. You have a six. I don't know if it's supposed to be a five, because you only see like sort of the bottom half. You get a division sign. You get what looks yep. like maybe a three, and then another O. But this one's different than the other O because it's sort of angled. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing that really stands out there is that divided by three, right? Yeah, because we see, if, I I thought it was kind of like an eight and then a nine and then divided by three, because it's sort of two, two halves. They're really super stylized. I don't know if it, you can accurately call it an eight and a nine, but the divided by three really stands out. Mm -hmm. And then all all I can think of is that there's three, three drivers. You know, so you have to divide them, like divide and conquer. I mean, that's that's all I can think of. So I don't think that's that. Of course, we're reading all this into it, and chances are the people were just like, "Well, we need something on the background wall. Let's just throw some stuff in there, so we can sense where we are in distance and you know, with whether we're going toward a wall or away from the wall or along a wall. We just need some kind of reference for the audience. Maybe I'm not sure because I think I don't know why they didn't just go consecutive numbers highly stylized consecutive numbers because there's a thing like i looked up i just looked up briefly i looked up pi seven and on like mathworld.com i'm gonna try to i'm gonna i'm gonna say what the paragraph was that it said but it doesn't i don't understand the words that i'm saying right now just much like the actors in this movie i don't understand the words that i'm about to say so we got <laughs> the trigon trigonometric functions of n equals pi divided by seven for n, which is an integer that cannot be expressed in terms of sums, products, and finite root extractions on real rational numbers because seven is not a Fermat prime. This also means that the heptagon is not a constructible polygon. However, exact expressions involving roots of complex numbers can still be derived either using the trigonometric identity of sin alpha equals two sin n minus one alpha cos alpha sin n minus two alpha with n equaling seven, or by expressing sin pi divided by seven in terms of complex exponentials and simplifying the resulting expression, letting p x underscore n denote the nth root of the polynomial p x using the order of Wolfram language's root function 
gives the following algebraic root representations for trigonometric functions with the argument pi divided by 7. And so, but it keeps coming up pi divided by 7, pi divided by 7. So I think there's a bunch of, I think there's a joke there or a <laughs> mention or something. I'm, because the modelers and the animators were a bunch of programmers at this point in 1982. You needed to be you needed to be a programmer with a slightly artistic bent. If you were just purely an artist, I don't think there was a hope of you ever achieving anything that was achieved in this film. So I'm sure there's someone in the audience that was like, ha, 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 ha. oh, Pi 7, oh, oh, oh zing. I, I, somewhere, one in every 200 people or one in every 2,000 people. I think there's a, if anybody knows the joke, definitely uh, chime in. I don't know why having pi seven on the side of a square arena would be a, would be a pun of any kind, but I just, I so hope it is same with the divided <laughs> by three. I hope there's some, some math zinger in there that, uh, that somebody knows what it's supposed to be. Well, maybe somebody will add to it. I'm going to stick with, they just, let's put something along the wall so we know where we are. And it looks kind of cool. We'll just highly stylized. Yeah. We'll throw a division symbol. We'll throw some weird numbers and half numbers. And that's just the way yeah. it looks in the computer world. Yeah, that's probably that's probably what uh, probably what it was. Now you mentioned in the last game that there was a game that was like this that you played a lot. What was that? Yes. What was that game? It was a game called 3D Light Cycles, and I think they had to call it that so they didn't have to pay Disney or Tron. But it was basically <laughs> this this light cycle game, but taking advantage of your your typical 3D uh, gaming cards. You actually had, and I know, I think we're going to get into it Friday, but I will tell you, when they, when Flynn says on Friday, okay, I'm going to take him into the maze, I, you yeah. can play this light cycle game in a first-person perspective. You can go uh, sort of uh, over the shoulder third person to kind of see where you are. Oh, I yeah. have no idea. After playing that game, trying to do it first person, if you didn't have some kind of a heads-up map inside your cockpit to show you where you were in relation to the other lines... There's no yeah. way you could do it. Absolutely. Because I am a pretty good first-person shooter gamer, and I die every time I try to drive my light cycle in first person. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it can't be done. I don't care how good Flynn is. You can't do it without knowing what the overview of the map looks like. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can't, like, just this whole sequence, the editing, like, I don't know how, to, how they even edited this sequence. Like, I've been trying to construct the paths they take. You know, by by going through these minutes very very slowly, I'm trying to figure out okay, what shapes would they have drawn, and and if I if I use the editing here, what's what could have happened, and I, I can I can't really make heads or tails of it, and I mostly because of the POV shots. With, like you, when you're driving in these mazes, there's no way you no. would survive longer than thirty seconds. So I think you that's can what, still I mean, download it. it it's a free yeah. game. It's just called Light Cycles 3D, or if you just do a search for Light Cycles, um. It's just so much fun. If you were a fan of this movie, you can, for a moment, pretend you're Tron, Ram, or Flynn, and you could actually have up to 16 other players in this grid. You can choose AI, what? folks, and it is 16? crazy. Holy oh, moly. yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And just like with this, if you manage to knock someone out, uh, their their trail does go away. So it does give right. you the ability to move around a little bit more once you can start knocking your foes out of the way. But then there's always that moment when you've boxed yourself in and you realize it's just me and one person left. So you try to like do an immediate U-turn as tight as you can and try to take up as little space as you can until you run into the next wall and then quick immediate U-turn and then go to the next wall and quick immediate U-turn. 
And you're just yeah. like, as long as I can outlast how much space I have left versus how much the AI has left, I might win this. And I can't tell yeah. you the number of times where I'm like, I needed just another inch, just an inch. <laughs> and they won't let me. And I would have been. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like a couple other games that came out before the movie, actually, too. I remember that light cycle game that you're talking about. I had no idea you could do 16 players. That is bonkers. I knew I kind of I remember I dimly remember the first person view you could snap into there but I remember also seeing like well uh, how would you play this how could you possibly play this it's fun with, when without you're, a top down it's fun if it's just maybe you and one AI for a while but even still sure. you get lost in where you are because you've got no frame of reference for where all yeah. the trails are uh, there was a an arcade game called uh, Blockade in 1976 it was very much like this it's just green and black and you're like an arrow laying a path of what sort of looks to be brick walls uh and there's no sound except for the explosion when you die running into somebody else's brick wall but it's that same sort of thing where you're laying it as you go and then the atari 2600 came out with something called surround uh as one of the original nine launch titles in october of 77 and the other the other eight were Air Sea Battle, Basic Math, Blackjack, Combat, Indy Five Hundred, Starship, Street Racer, and Video Olympics. I really remember Combat because that was the one that had the tanks, and you could like. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, I had, I had Combat with my twenty six hundred, the Air Sea Battle, and then the third game we got when we first got it as a Christmas present was Outlaw. Outlaw. Oh, okay, that must have been part of the second wave then. <clears throat> oh, I'm sure. Uh, oh, I guarantee my mom and dad did not get it to us the first wave because it was, had to be where everybody else was getting it, and they realized, "All right, we'll get you a twenty six hundred." Yeah, well, uh, you're not. Yeah, those cartridges, if I remember correctly, were expensive at the time. You couldn't just go and pick up ten of them. It was like, "Here's you're getting one for Christmas, kid," <laughs> you know, or whatever. Right. And oh, I am. I have been a gamer ever since owning that Atari twenty six hundred. I am a, yeah. still a gamer today. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fantastic. It was a lot of good things on those systems, and I liked that because the cover art on those cartridges <laughs> was hilarious because it was this movie poster of all this stuff happening. But then your guy was a little square, you know. That's not uh, did not accurately reflect the game. Oh you were no, about it was just play. like going to the blockbuster. You didn't know what half the movies were, but if it had really cool cover art, you you rented the block the the video. Same thing with video yeah. games. Like, look at the yeah. cover art. That's got to be a fun game. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, so, but then the video, the video games themselves, even though your guy was a little square, there was still edge of your seat entertainment. Like you play them now and you still clench up. You're still like, look out, look out, look out, look out. Like the, the, the playability is all still there, no matter that the, the, the graphics are. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, no. so primitive. I, to this day, you know, throw Yar's Revenge on there or Warlords with the paddles where you can play up to four people and you're trying to guard your castle and yeah. loved games like that. It's interesting that Surround that came out for the Atari 2600 is like a litigiously, like a just a blatant ripoff of Blockade that came out in 76, like direct. And I think that's kind of ironic considering the subject matter of this movie when like the MCP has stolen... Flynn's games. I'm doing air quotes, podcaster, mm-hmm. football. I'm doing air quotes. He's stolen. The MCP has stolen Flynn's games that Flynn was illegally creating on company time in the first place. So that's kind of the stuff that was going on. It was 
all kind of a wild west time in computer gaming history where people were stealing and copying all over the place because the laws were still being conceptualized and written. Oh yeah. You know, the whole idea of intellectual all, property. You know, they were like, well, we don't know how this applies. <laughs> Not here. Yeah. Right. Where, uh, where it differed though with surround. And I guess this was how they got it was, uh, surround had like four modes of play. You could play speed up mode where the game got progressively faster through five stages of speed or diagonal mode where you could go diagonally or erase mode where you could hit a button to not lay down a light trail and then turn it back on. So you could do like a dotted line kind of thing. And then there was wrap wrap around mode where if you went off one side of the screen, you'd come back on the other side of the screen. So that was kind of cool. And there was also a graffiti mode where you could like draw pictures with your light trail if you wanted to. And, like a, <laughs> like, like, a, like consequence a, free. a video game version of an Etch-A-Sketch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I would, I would love to see all those options in the game. Like instead of if driving into the wall didn't explode you, if it just made you appear on the opposite side of the arena, you know, or if you could let, because I think in Legacy, you can turn your trail on and off. In the See, I always thought the beginning, because they don't have trails when they leave the arena. I always thought it was a product yeah. of the arena itself. When you're yeah, in the combat that arena, that's where you've got no choice. You're, you're leaving a trail because that's part of the game. That's part of the program. When you leave yeah. your environment now, well, you don't leave the trail because you're not on the grid anymore. Yeah, that's right. I think that's uh, I like that. I like that take on it. I like it a lot. Like that's just a rule. It's not the bike generating it; it's the grid generating it, and that's just that's just the way it is. Yep, I like that. There was also like there was a a game for Mattel's Intellivision called Snafu in 1981, which is very very similar to this. It was also and Mattel did a a home computer called the Aquarius for a little while. I didn't know that. It was interesting to find out. Everybody was trying to get into the home computer market for a little bit there. So Snafu could have two players, but also two CPU players for a total of four of them, four snakes kind of running around. But they had a version called Byte, where if you your your light trail was a finite length, so it's like you were carrying a ribbon behind you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And if you if you sort of nipped the end of your opponent's light trail, um, they would get a shorter light trail, and you would get one added to yours. So you could sort of make your own light trail longer and longer and they're shorter and shorter, which sort of gave you a better chance of having them run into your wall. Just kind of a neat idea. Having cool. a finite trail that you're trailing around. A little trickier, yeah. but anyway. So there was a couple games that were already out conceptually that incorporated the sort of central gameplay of this light cycle game here, which I thought was interesting. This wasn't a thousand percent original idea. They, there was precedent for it, which I thought was pretty cool. Like my first experience of a game like this was, um, I guess, like a snake on the like Nokia phone back in 2002. Yes. Yeah. And you had right. to learn to, as you got a longer and longer tail for every little block you, because you, it's similar to bite what you're talking about when you would absorb yeah. a block, yeah. you would add one block to the end of yours. And then, oh, we got to like, you got to go super wide to make sure you have plenty of room to go get the next block by the time you got so long. So you'd have room to get yourself out of where that block was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's when you see somebody, when you see like a gameplay video of somebody that eats like a hundred pellets and their snake tail is so long and they're somehow, I think, oh yeah, because the point of that game was if you filled up the entire screen with snake, 
then you would win. If I can tell you was... for a fact, I have never won that game. No, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but to but to watch an expert do it is like, look out, look out, look out, look out. Like you're just really like, oh my gosh, he's going to do it. It's so much fun watching people play games. You remember like, I guess, I mean, yeah, we're both at the age where arcades were something that existed for us in, in real mm-hmm. time in the 80s. So, but when somebody was really good at the game and there'd be a crowd around them, like just watching in awe as this person just nails all the special moves. I oh, yeah. Just like at the beginning of this movie, we see Flynn yeah. who's got his crowd around him. Yeah. Um, like I remember that, that, that time. That happened. Yeah. That wasn't like an exaggeration for this film. No, that, that was, was real life. And I also remember I, like the, the games that, that were the most popular there'd be a line and everybody kind of had this, it was sort of an unwritten rule. I don't know if you had it, but we had it here where you lined your quarter up along the edge of the screen. Yeah. So you might have seven quarters for the next seven people. Everybody knew who they were in line. And so you were yeah. waiting. And if you got, if you lost, you didn't get to put another quarter and keep playing. You had to step out. And then the next yeah. person would grab their quarter. They, again, everyone knew there might be seven quarters like, well, but I, I mine was the third quarter. So I'm the, I'm next after this guy, you know? So, yeah. I I grew up with that, where we just learned that etiquette of standing in line. You could all gather around and watch, but everybody knew where their quarter was, and everybody wanted to play the most popular games, like the Pac-Mans, the Donkey Kongs, you know. And, and even when the Tron game came out in the th- in the arcade, I used to love playing the Tron game. Yeah, it was a good game, really solid game. Yeah, they really uh, they really came correct with that. Like a you know, like we game, just talked about it not that long ago on a radio show yeah. that I was on. My favorite games for for a long time in the arcade were all of the vector based games like Battlezone, Tempest, sure. all the stuff that oh, had yeah. uh, Star Wars, the original Star mm-hmm. Wars game where it was all mm-hmm. line drawn, vector based. Love yeah. those uh, games uh, to this day. Asteroids, right? I get the, yeah, exactly. I get that nostalgic sense of I'm suddenly a kid again every time I go play one on an emulator on my computer or on my phone. It's just yeah. amazing. It's a real time. That's a real time window style of graphics because you know the sort of the blocky the blocky graphics of the atari like they there was just the, the resolution got more and more complex until we get what we have today and then well they made the leap to 3d but when it was all still 2d it was just like the sprites got more and more complex when you could have more lines on your television screen and more lines being generated by the computer because it was powerful enough to do that but vectors were a whole other thing like vectors you could have a straight line going from anywhere to anywhere they weren't Mm -hmm. you know you could have diagonals all over the place and they didn't look blocky because it was just math and that is such a unique look right because it was also colorful but it was also just really those those straight lines that were just not confined to any kind of grid they really created a, a unique look i remember tempest especially the sound design in tempest oh lord it's so good if you just record tempest playing all their all their all the sounds of the bullets and everything is so it's just a, a time it was machine such a fun right game just this notion and, and it was the first game i remember like i said and star wars followed that gave me the sense of three-dimensional motion through the game yeah like when you're yeah. when you were playing tempest these creatures that were coming up the well they were yeah. getting bigger as they were approaching and then eventually when you clear got you know, cleared enough you'd go down and you'd see all the walls go flying by as you're moving to the next level and if there was yeah. anything in your way you still had to blast them because you could still die on the way <laughs> yeah, to the yeah. next level you know in the in yeah in the transition to the next level you were vulnerable that was something that i think 
Uh, might be unique to Tempest, but I don't remember that happening in too many others. But I like the quick transition. It wasn't like stop, pause, wait. Okay, here's level three. It was like done, go, done, go. And it was like it was like with Robotron was the same sort of thing. It was like yay, I won. Oh God, I'm in level two. You know, like just <laughs> immediately, just bang, bang, bang. No pause, no pause. And uh, that was something that I think was very thrilling about some of the games back then. You know, and I think that's why I liked Battlezone a lot too. Growing up with my dad, watching a lot of the World War II sort of submarine movies, tank movies, yeah. and stuff, and the original arcades. Um, that we played Battlezone on to try to create that feel, you had an actual, like you were looking through a periscope almost. So it wasn't a flat screen like the other games. You actually had to put your head up against like a periscope and you had your two levers to go left, right, or push them both forward to go forward or push them both back to pull back. And you had to learn how to maneuver and fire your your gun and look at the radar. And it was so immersive because you suddenly felt like, I'm playing some futuristic tank game. It was just a bunch of triangles and, and, and yeah. polygons, but yeah. it didn't matter. You suddenly were transported in this world. Yeah. Come to think of it, that little face thing you had to lean against, that's not very sanitary. You know, oh, yeah. But we, hey, come on. Late 70s, do we th- we weren't even wearing <laughs> no. bike helmets, right? Come on. No, we were, that's right. Yeah. We were eating lead paint chips for breakfast. So come on. Yeah. Seat, seat, belts, <laughs> seat belts were optional, you know. Right. So oh, we get many this great... a time driving with the family on the back of the sitting on the back deck of the rear window watching cars on the interstate. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so we get this great cockpit shot of Tron looking straight ahead out of his windshield at the mm-hmm. as the lines of the grid reflect and go over, which I guess sort of it's sort of confusing because that sort of makes it look like the lines are somewhere above him too, or they might be passing through the bike entirely. Yeah, they look like kind of street lights passing over your car windshield on the uh, on the Friday. This this shot here, this is the shot that they used for the cover of the 1982 Cinefix magazine that they uh, that they used to to go over through the effect. Remember Cinefix magazine? I have a vague recollection of it. You know, it. I almost and I don't know if it's because. Yeah, People assumed it, a streetlight look would be more like it would it would resonate, but I almost wonder if the lines are going the wrong way because <laughs> it looks like they're above you. You're right that they should yeah. be. If you're passing forward over them, if they're reflecting from the ground, wouldn't the lines go from top to bottom as you're moving forward? Yeah, something like that. But I mean, it works. It's still. I mean, it still looks the. Oh no! It gives you the sense of motion. Through. You get this, and then he yeah. puts that head down at the last second, like oh. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, geez. So, and, okay, so there was a good, uh, on the Tron wiki, there's a Frank Serafine interview, and he was the sound designer. And so for the sounds of the light cycles, this is a, this is what they used for the sounds of the light cycles. Um, he recorded a bunch of motorcycles with uh, his friend Mike Fremer, uh, who also worked on the film. He was another sound designer. And they went out to a place in Southern California called The Rock Store, where hundreds of motorcycle enthusiasts would go to race. And it's so remote that most people would have to get there by helicopter, and then they get left there with their bikes, and they just do a bunch of racing all day, and then they would uh, come back. So they just got in touch with this group of people, mic'd up all the bikes, and just let them race through the hills of California on their fast you know, ninja bikes, their hurricanes, or whatever was going at the time, they're really fast bikes to get some good sounds of revving and idling and accelerating. And then they also mic'd up the engine of Mike Fremer's car, which was a Saab Sonnet 
four-cylinder sports car and they drove that around all day with the mic under the hood inside the engine to try to get all those sounds mm. and then they the put sound that all design into the, into the is so and stuff like that it's so good it's, it's it for me the sounds here are every bit as iconic as the what the ben burt sound designs for star wars that got him so yeah. much recognition the ability for to sure. blend and maneuver those the, to create unique sounds it's awesome yeah, like for the turns, he used a bunch of backward symbols, you know, so you get that, <laughs> you know, that like, you know, that kind of sound. And then he also used like skill saws when you've got a rotary saw and you're sawing through a two by four. And after you're finished, like when the blade comes free, it goes, whing, you know, mm-hmm. it does that. It rings for a second. He used a bunch of that. And so he put them all together in there. And you can sort of hear them going off as they drive around. And it's it's great to sort of keep an eye out for the backwards symbols and the skill saws and stuff like that. And then it was all it's heavily like, modulated. It's almost organic in the sense you sort of recognize or you know what they're 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 accomplishing and yet so unique. It's you've never heard anything like this and yet you know exactly what it means. The revving of the yeah. engine, the yeah. sounds. It's just it's so visceral and you are there. You're on the grid inside this high-tech light cycle it's just awesome yeah it's so well realized it really came together so uh, just when it looks like tron and the blue leader are going to collide they both turn in the same direction very little space between them very last minute and they're now going neck and neck leaving their uh, jet walls behind them so tron pulls a bit ahead pulls a hard right to cut them off blue leader follows tron cuts right again blue leader follows and then we get a little neck and neck cam here with the blue leader in the foreground and Tron in the background. Now it's now, hard to w- tell. Oh, oh sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. I no, was going to say, ahead. this is one of those moments where you have to just swallow the fact that if the light trail is coming off the back, the light cycle is still a good, you know, let's say the length of a man. So at least a good, you know, three meters, two, three meters longer. If they're coming face to face with each other and both turning and they're neck and neck with it, like maybe half a meter of light trail between them. How did they not collide? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's some teleportation that happens in these turns that you really just have to go. It's part of the magic of the scene is you're like, but well, that's plainly impossible. <laughs> but you're like, well, okay. And it's sort of realistic because they, they, they talk a little bit about how they wanted the walls to be curved, but the computer people that were making you know, the companies that were making these effects were like, you want, you want what? Like you'd want not only curved bikes, but you want curved trails. And so they would try to make these segmented, you know, curbs, kind of like the side of a stop sign or something. So you'd get these like a few diagonal, progressively more diagonal until they go horizontal kind of blocky Mm -hmm. turns. And that wasn't really working and it was eating up tons of computer. And they're like, you know, if we just do it a right angle, that's going to look very alien and very freakish and very primitive and very weird. But let's go with it. Let's just have them do right angles because that'll be what? This is this is computer world, I guess. So they're, they're forced to do just right angles and it's plainly impossible, but that'll make it more apparent that it's in the grid. So they just kind of went with what they had to do and it really yeah. worked. It's I think a, it worked great. Signature. I don't think and it would have worked with with turns. I do think that's part of the reason uh, the visuals of Legacy. I may not like Tron Legacy as a film story wise. The visuals are stunning, and they and you can see where they went back to the 
okay, now yeah. we're at that age where we can have a curved light wall. We can jump yeah. and the light wall moves up with the car- you know, with the wheel and, and follows exactly if it's so if you're jumping, now there's an arc in your, you know, your light trail. It's not just stuck to the ground. But yeah. For what this was, 1982 for me, it didn't bother me they were on 90 degrees. And in no. some ways, I almost thought, well, of course, it's in the computer. They can only do yeah. right angles. I'm like, oh, duh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool that the actual limitations of the renderers ended up working for this because when you watch it, that's exactly what you think. You're like, well, yeah, it's in the computer. Right angles. Yeah. Makes sense. You know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all all the games that we're playing at that time. That was that was all your characters could do anyway. So it makes, you know, it makes sense. It's hard to tell because of the way the credits are written, but I'm pretty sure that Blue Leader here is played by Jackson Bostwick. From what I can see from the close-ups and looking at pictures of the different cast members online, it looks like this is Jackson Bostwick, who was Shazam. He really? Was, uh, Cap- yeah, he was Captain Marvel from the 1974 to 1975 TV series. He was in a bunch of other Disney productions, like The Cat from Outer Space and The Magical World of Disney, so I guess he was a natural choice to get you know, hooked into a role like this because he was already on the Disney roster. You know, he's been in a bunch of other sci-fi stuff like Future Zone and My My Science Project, which I never saw, but I remember the cover. I thought, I remember it being like a weird science ripoff. I remember we got a whole sort of spate of wacky science comedies. So this is, um, yeah, this is Tron versus Captain Marvel himself. This is Tron versus Shazam in this race, which I think is fantastic. Wow. Um, I do notice, and I guess this is Tron and showing us just how good of a program he is in terms of uh, security, because we know that that's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to operate separate of the MCP, so he thinks very yeah. much militaristically, maybe strategically like that. I love how he swings out wide to yeah. create the, the the separation, so that way he can then turn around and immediately cut this guy off to mm-hmm. then force him to now go where he wants him to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's very good strategy, and it's uh, it's apparent because you're kind of like, what is he doing? And oh, okay, ah, geez, now he's got the upper hand. It's uh, it's really, it's really thrilling. This whole sequence is just so thrilling. It is yeah. because when he cuts to the to the right, and we're in the perspective of who you know pursuer, we realize, oh, I've got my trail wall on one side of me. I've got him now cutting me off. I've got no choice but to make the same right angle bend to go parallel yeah. once again. Now yeah. I'm suddenly trapped between two walls. Well, it's like, it's hard, yeah, because Tron hooks right again, and then he, he's sort of snuggling up against the blue jet wall at this point. So if there's, if this is one of those things that I tried to map out, if there's a top-down model of this light cycle race, I think Tron just made a square, and he's almost closed it off against the blue jet wall, left behind by the blue leader. So the blue leader has to turn right now in order to not be trapped in a spiral of death. Right. Right, which is what you got in in these games when you played these games on the Atari, when you played these games on the Intellivision. If you somehow got squared off and you were trapped inside, you just had to like like you were saying, just just go slow and not hit your own light trail and just keep going in a spiral or just keep going. Well, if you went in a spiral, then you were guaranteed death. Absolutely. There's no way if if you're in a spiral, there's no way to get out of it. Once you got trapped so, within this inside of your own trail, all you could hope is if it was one of those games like the the light cycle game I talked about. Yeah. If you were the last one standing, the game just ended. You win. You don't. It doesn't say well. You still have to exit the arena because you'd be screwed. Nobody would win. <laughs> but 
Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. been many a times when I'm trapped in my own box. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, geez, I did it. I did it to myself. <laughs> you know? So, and then we get well, a Well, in this case, sh- I think yeah. Tron is, uh, he puts him in the box. Like, he, by swinging yeah. wide and, and outpacing him for a minute, when he swings Ben, you know, comes around and cuts in front of him, he has no choice. He's either going to yeah. hit Tron's wall or he's going to, like, take the hard right and run between the two walls, Tron on one side and his own on the other. Yeah, well, if he doesn't, that's what I'm saying, like, if he doesn't take the hard right, then he's going to end up in that spiral situation. So Tron's given him an out, but it's a very narrow out that Tron controls. So this by the, the, this is the, you know, he funnels him into, and he's got the upper hand here. Yeah, and by the way, this move right here that actually puts the driver into the wall, I have used this t- tactic Ta- or this this technique or, or tactic so many times playing the oh, light yeah? cycle game. If you could get just a little bit ahead of whoever you're parallel with, you just run them into the wall, and then you turn awesome. the last second and skim the wall because they they, <laughs> they can't escape at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this aerial shot here of the track, the blue jet wall doesn't seem to be accurate to the blue leader's previous moves. So maybe no, it's not at all. <laughs> no, why did he skim wall. the wall? <laughs> Right. So for this whole time, we have we haven't seen Flynn or Ram or their rivals. So I think this is might be a blue bike trail that's left behind by one of the other one of the other racers, which is kind of cool having them all the same color, because now you can have blue trails showing up kind of willy nilly and you can just make sense of it in the editing room, because who knows what was going on off camera. And maybe that's a good reason why all of the bad guys are blue, because we we do know that where yeah. Tron and Blue Leader go face off head to head, the other two squared off and went individual directions. So yeah. it's entirely possible that that second blue wall wasn't Blue Leader's, but either you know Blue one, Two or Blue Three, whichever went the other direction. Yeah, yeah. So here we see Tron racing dead on straight for the wall, and the blue bike's trying to keep up. And we hear a "Watch it, watch it, watch it!" as they get closer and closer to the wall. I'm not sure who's saying that. I think it might be one of the other blue drivers. And then, uh, yeah, Blue Leader freaks out and starts screaming and panicking, and he puts his head down. And then, yeah, just as Tron turns left, just a hair before hitting the wall, forming a narrow corridor, funneling the Blue Leader fatally into the wall. And he just goes bang, making a you huge, know, huge crevice in, the, in that wall It's an awesome there. crash. Yeah. I don't know why I love this. It makes no sense to have it. But the tire left flying in the yeah. air and then bouncing yeah. off into the game grid like it's going to be an object to dodge later. It's just yeah. it's awesome. It's it's almost yeah. like the animator said, this is such a foreign world. Let's just give the the real audience of 1982 this bit of a tire bouncing into the grid because it makes it feel like, yeah, oh, okay, it's a motorcycle tire. Yeah, yeah. Like other, yeah, to have him just disappear was like, oh, let's get a little flavor in there and have a bouncing tire bouncing into the arena. It's yeah, it's funny. It would have been funny to see it like bounce off a bounce off a different player later. Like, oh, tire, look out! <laughs> like that would have been pretty funny. And I love the sound effect of the death, this crash, and this this death warble, this electronic kind of. It's almost like a Pac Man sound effect or something. It's not that specific mm-hmm. Pac Man sound effect, but that it's that great correct pulse of like you know player one has left the game you know he's this is it this was a good crash sound effect with a little tail on it it's like okay he's out and that's it that crack in the wall is ridiculous though it's a i love it i've always thought that was like look how look what a massive explosion (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, oh you know what yeah Yeah. Uh, it's confirmed 
If you pause it right at second 46 to 47, just after yeah. the uh, camera is swinging around to show the, the, the crevice of the crack in the wall, the light trail that disappears is the one we saw just explode, not the trail that he was following. So that isn't his trail that That's he got right. caught behind. That's right. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, it's confirmed. So then, and by yeah, the way, how, see- how risky is, is Tron? That he's heading, apparently he would have died had this not happened sp- exactly when it did. I know it's great for movie telling, but Tron went straight for a blue wall. There's nothing else on the grid around him, but it disappears in just in time for him to cross over it. Is that Flynn or I think that's Flynn because Tron, it's hard to tell because Tron's thought, gold I, I, and Flynn's yellow. But in this yeah, I thought next, that, oh, I thought it was Flynn it? that went over it. My Because my, wasn't it, it Tron is. that put the guy into the wall? Yeah, it's Tron. Oh, sorry, you said I thought you said Tron there. Yeah, that's that's no, no, Flynn, Flynn being extremely courageous, going straight for that blue wall and hoping that it hits the ground just before he gets there. Right, and it because does, I mean, but. if you look at the shot, right? At, and I know I'm saying seconds. If people are at home, like they're really doing this, but at second forty-seven, he is one like block away from the wall when it's almost down. Was he going to turn at the last second just in case? Because if you look at the whole shot. There's no other lines anywhere. He, there's no reason for him to do this other than the yeah. Hollywood moment of, look That's how true. close he came to almost dying. <laughs> yeah, there is nothing anywhere else in the arena. And he's like, I'm, maybe it was an attempt. He was like, I, I want out. <laughs> maybe he was trying to end it all and he failed. I don't know, because that seems like a pretty... It's not as fun on this side. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that's funny. Oh, I remember somebody else was saying how scary this game would be if you sped up every time you turned. That would be like... That would oh, be like got a little total. burst of speed every time you turned? Every time you turned, yeah, you, you went like, you know, 10 miles an hour, 15 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour every time oh, you turned. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, it yeah, goes back to, no again, control. playing the game, trying to play it first person. It is so hard. It is It is ridiculously hard to try to do it. Yeah. So Flynn's cooking along, and then we see a blue bike come up beside him, and then we go into Flynn's light cycle POV. And the blue light cycle pulls ahead and turns left, forcing Flynn to snap left as well. And it's like you were saying in the theater, this is this was just... I, if you were actually in the bike, I don't know how it's possible to play this game, you know, like you were saying, from a, from an actual POV kind of thing, because you have no idea where anybody is or what's right. going on, because the, the light trails are so so high so this pov cam in the theater was hair raising you just you you really get a clear idea of the reflexes that are needed and the impossible turns and the amazing sound design that just keeps you on the edge of your seat because you're just like Mm -hmm. look out oh no this is intense and flynn's fidgeting and trying to maintain focus again doing a great job of acting because you're like this is you you are giving 110 percent to this race right now and it is a very challenging thing you know what's crazy is, and I've never understood how it happens, but yet we're okay with it. Why are the light cycles getting a little bit of speed and then they kind of lose and they, they go a little... Yeah. You get the sense of like, okay, who's got the advantage? In real life, we, of course, we assume on a racetrack, you're constantly making you know lots of corrections. And so you might be just a little faster in one turn versus someone else, but you're yeah. in a light cycle. How are, how is one suddenly a little faster and then it, it loses the boost and then the other one gets it and then it kind of yeah. loses it. But from a tension perspective, yeah. edge of my seat. I'm just like, oh yeah. my God, oh my God, you got to get in front. You got to get in front. And you're just sitting there like a kid going, don't 
crash, Flynn. Don't crash. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you're right. Because I'm like, do they have throttles? I would think that their speed is kind of a constant. But they, yeah, well, they even are if going... they have throttles, it, why, why wouldn't you stay full speed if you've got the yeah. even just the half foot advantage? You got to stay in front of the other cycle. Yeah, you got to. When you it see cranked. them giving and taking, it that's what just puts you on the edge of your seat because you're like, okay, who's going to get the advantage? Who's going to be in front when they need to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's it's pretty it's it's an amazing scene. And that takes us to the end of this this minute of uh of fighting. And then we get the the full on excellent escape in the next minute. The only oh, difference I can't be- wait. Be- the only difference between the novel and the screenplay really is that there's a little more cross chatter between Flynn, Ram and Tron. They're like, "Look out on your left, go over there." And I kind of like it better the way that it is in the movie though, cuz it's the blue guys that are coordinating their attacks are a little bit bored. Like this is game 455. They're like, blue one, the blue leader, let's go. Whereas mm-hmm. Flynn, Tron, and Ram are just fighting for their lives with a very sort of silent hyper focus that that, be, that, 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 that brings, you know? So it's, I, I think it's more tense. I, also, I would also argue from a film, film perspective, it makes them feel more isolated, that they're not allowed. It's almost like... yeah. It's almost like the rules are stacked for the team. They're coordinating much more closely with one another. Maybe yeah. the other guys could have communicated because we do hear guys. We'll hear that next minute. You know, if you want to follow yeah. me, I'm heading out. So they do. But the fact is they're so used to being solo in all these games. They don't think like a team. They don't practice yeah. like a team. In fact, it's the first time they've ever done it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I think that little maneuver later with uh, uh, Ram and Tron kind of proves that they've been they've been on the light cycle grid together before. Well, yeah, I, you're right. Ram and Tron probably have Flynn, obviously, the first time. Flynn, yeah, definitely. All right, well, I guess that takes us to the end of the minute. Um, I usually ask you to say where can people find you if they want to hear more of you, but I think we've been through that a few times right now. Wilder Ride, right? Oh, yeah, yeah the Wilder Ride. <laughs> yeah. uh, why get... bother repeating myself? <laughs> yeah, right? You know, just uh, Google us at tronologicallyspeaking.com, you know, Twitter, uh, email, it's all the same thing, or on Facebook, Tronologically Speaking. And, uh, yeah, go to moviesbyminutes.com and see if your favorite movie is there. And if it isn't, consider doing it yourself because they're, it's a good community. Do you want to try a little end of line on three? Sure. All right. One, two, three. End End of line. line. Perfect. (laughs) 